the summer of 1969. I'm 21 years old. An adult by any definition, if not supported by action or behavior. And any insights I had about that time were not formed at that time. Only years later, decades later, did it occur to me that one specific 29-day period seemed to crystallize an entire movement, culture, zeitgeist, generation. Many things that went right and lots of things that went wrong can be examined and evaluated through the prism of those 29 days. White privilege, unparalleled technological achievement, war, racial hatred, peace and love. Anyone today who's reached the age of 21 will be familiar with these five events. That's how great an impact they made. Think about it. July 18th. Ted Kennedy drives himself and Mary Jo Kopechny off a bridge on Chappaquiddick Island. Two days later, Neil Armstrong walks on the moon. Four days after that, on July 24th, Muhammad Ali is convicted for refusing induction into the armed services. On August 9th and 10th, Charles Manson sets his cockamamie plan in motion by masterminding the Tate LaBianca murders. Five days after that, Woodstock. I can't think of any other point in our history where so much happened in so little time. Can you? First up, Ted Kennedy. On the weekend of July 18th, I was on Martha's Vineyard Island, participating with my nephew, Joe Kennedy, in the annual Edgartown Sailing Regatta. On Chappaquiddick Island, I attended a cookout for a group of Kennedy campaign secretaries. When I left the party around 11.15 p.m., I was accompanied by one of these girls, Miss Mary Jo Kopechny. There is no truth, no truth whatever, to the widely circulated suspicions of immoral conduct that have been leveled at my behavior and hers regarding that evening. There has never been a private relationship between us of any kind. I know of nothing in Mary Jo's conduct on that or any other occasion. And the same is true of the other girls at that party that would lend any substance to such ugly speculation about their character. Nor was I driving under the influence of liquor. Little over one mile away, the car that I was driving on an unlit road went off a narrow bridge, which had no guardrails and was built on a left angle to the road. The car overturned in a deep pond and immediately filled with water. 
I remember thinking as the cold water rushed in around my head that I was for certain drowning. Then water entered my lungs and I actually felt the sensation of drowning. But somehow I struggled to the surface alive. I made immediate and repeated efforts to save Mary Job by diving into the strong and murky current that succeeded only in increasing my state of utter exhaustion and alarm. My conduct and conversations during the next several hours, to the extent that I can remember them, make no sense to me at all. Although my doctors informed me that I suffered a cerebral concussion as well as shock, I do not seek to escape responsibility for my actions by placing the blame either on the physical and emotional trauma brought on by the accident or on anyone else. I regard as indefensible the fact that I did not report the accident to the police immediately. Instead of looking directly for a telephone after lying exhausted in the grass for an undetermined time, I walked back to the cottage where the party was being held and requested the help of two friends and directed them to return immediately to the scene with me in order to undertake a new effort to dive down and locate Miss Kopechny. This was sometime after midnight. Their strenuous efforts, undertaken at some risk to their own lives, also proved futile. All kinds of scrambled thoughts, all of them confused, some of them irrational, many of them which I cannot recall, and some of which I would not have seriously entertained under normal circumstances, went through my mind during this period. They were reflected in the various inexplicable, inconsistent, and inconclusive things I said and did, including such questions as whether the girl might still be alive somewhere out of that immediate area, whether some awful curse did actually hang over all the Kennedys, whether there was some justifiable reason for me to doubt what had happened and to delay my report, whether somehow the awful weight of this incredible incident might in some way pass from my shoulders. I was overcome, I'm frank to say, by a jumble of emotions, grief, fear, doubt, exhaustion, panic, confusion, and shock. Instructing Gargan and Markham not to alarm Mary Jo's friends that night, I had them take me to the ferry crossing. The ferry having shut down for the night, I suddenly jumped into the water. I suddenly jumped into the water and impulsively swam across, nearly drowning once again in the effort, and returned to my hotel about 2 a.m and collapsed in my room. In the morning, with my mind somewhat more lucid, I made an effort to call a family legal advisor from a public telephone 
on the Chappaquiddick side of the ferry and then belatedly reported the accident to the Martha Vineyard Police. Today, as I mentioned, I felt morally obligated to plead guilty to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident. No words on my part can possibly express the terrible pain and suffering I feel over this tragic incident. This last week has been an agonizing one for me and for the members of my family, and the grief we feel over the loss of a wonderful friend who will remain with us the rest of our lives. Whatever the future holds for me, I hope that I shall be able to put this most recent tragedy behind me and make some further contribution to our state, mankind, whether it be in public or private life. Thank you.